This is Alopecia Life with your host, Deanne Graham. You'll hear interviews with specialists in their field and parents who are helping their child move through life while living with alopecia areata, along with conversations with alopecia rock stars who are making a difference. Alopecia Life is here to provide you with support, accurate information, inspiring stories, and life hacks to help you navigate the world of hair loss. Whether you've just been diagnosed or have had it for ages, Alopecia Life has been created to share all the information you may want or need to do alopecia your way. Welcome to this episode of Alopecia Life and for sharing your time with me and our guest Susan McLemore today. A couple months ago, I was searching for something on Facebook and I discovered Susan and a really cool thing she organized. I wanted to find out more and we were both excited to talk about the community that supported her family after they were diagnosed with alopecia. I hear so often after children are diagnosed that parents want to do something, anything really, to support their child. They feel helpless and confused and they want their child to be seen as amazing kids, not as someone who is lacking in any way. In this situation, a bond with a student led to building community around alopecia and Susan's here to talk about it with us today. Susan, welcome to Alopecia Life today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I am excited too. I was reading your story um, that happened actually a couple of years ago. I think the timing is interesting when something happens and then it kind of comes up <laughs> in somebody's feed for some, whatever reason. And I was really excited to read about you and your family's story and kind of how it all progressed. And I would love to have you share a little bit about yourself, um, Molly's alopecia story, and just kind of start from there. All right. Well, to uh, to start things off, my daughter Molly was born in 2016 with a full head of hair, and we never suspected that there was going to be any change in that. Right about the time that she was about to turn one years old, uh, very dramatically, in about the span of two weeks, maybe 10 days, her hair just all went poof and fell out. And our, our pediatrician was just so wonderful and was very calming and, Hey, this is okay. This is alopecia. We're going to get you to the best people and, and do what we can. Luckily we lived in Michigan city, Indiana at the time, which is about an hour out of Chicago. And they referred us to Loyola children's hospital in Chicago. And there we met Dr. Chamlin, who is amazing. So anybody in that Chicagoland area, if they haven't met Dr. Shamlin, they need to. And once again, we were handled with such tender, loving care of, you know, she's healthy. She's fine. She's, she's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And uh, actually from that point on, she connected us with the coming up Rosie's foundation out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, and we were able to connect with uh, some families in Chicago from that point forward. So we were able to to handle Molly's diagnosis with a bit more grace and and loving care than I think some families have that, that opportunity to, which really made it easier for us to have mm-hmm. that support system in place. Yeah. And I totally think you had such a great benefit by having that experience with Dr. Chanlin and also mm-hmm. the fact that you were able to, to meet Paula and Rosie Quinn, like yes. they, they are incredible, right? Because, I love them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Rosie's just such a great mentor for little kids too, especially. 
I, I'm so lucky and so blessed that I'm able to, to count on them as part of our alopecia family. I've met them personally and we've participated in their walks and, and it just, yeah. I'm just blessed and honored to be, to welcome into the fold with them. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts when, because she was so young, because Molly was mm-hmm. so young, right? And there's kind of a, a typical loss that happens with them laying on their backs and moving around and that kind of thing. Did you initially think it was that? At first you think, oh, she's just laying on her back too much or or rubbing her head or we had actually just moved out to the country and we thought, oh, maybe there's something wrong with with the water or there's mold Mm -hmm. or, you know, is there something environmental at play, which, you know, we did all the tests and rolled that out. I think another one of the options was it was stress. And and my response was, what on earth could an 11 month old Mm -hmm. be stressed about? You know, there's nothing wrong. Like there's nothing for her to internalize, to be stressed, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was all things that we were able to to rule out. And just when you're just faced with, this is what it is, you just kind of have to accept it. Mm -hmm. Had you ever heard of alopecia before then? No, only in the sense of um, like postpartum hair loss mm-hmm. after being pregnant. I, don't, I was only familiar with it, you know, just shedding all that, that beautiful growth you have when you're pregnant. But as far as totally losing your hair like that, never heard of it. Yeah. And how did it progress from there? I know you guys have, have moved kind of a couple times, right? And so you right. you had moved out to the country and having access to a different physician at the time and different environment. And then you're a teacher. Let's talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about that. I'd love to hear about you teaching. Yes. So at the time, so so to go back to 2016, when I was pregnant with Molly, I was teaching middle school at St. Stanislaus Casca in Michigan City. It's a very small, very loving Catholic school that was just absolutely blessed to call my, my home for eight years. And because it was such a small school, we had a really close bond with all of our families. That particular year, I had a class of sixth graders who I called my babies. <laughs> and unfortunately, when Molly came, she came a month early. And so I didn't get to finish out the, the year with them, which we all expected. I wasn't going to finish out the year because I was going to take the year off. So I, I left a little earlier, but I felt so much love they threw a, a baby shower for me when I, after Molly was out of the NICU and we were home and we just kept in constant contact. Uh, they, I bring Molly in whenever I would pick up my older son. And then I returned full time when that class was seventh grade the next year. I, w- I did a uh, history class for sixth, seventh and eighth grade at St. Stan's. So one of the families in particular that I became close with was the Wozniak family. Really blessed mm-hmm. that. Jill, their mom, she was part of our staff at at St. Stan's. So I was really lucky that I had her older daughter, Mia, her middle daughter, Chloe. And then I hadn't had the chance to have their younger son yet. Chloe was in that class. Mm -hmm. She had this long, beautiful blonde hair and and her and I just, we just hit it off as, you know, sometimes with a a student and a teacher, you you guys just, you're friends, you have that great relationship. Mm -hmm. And, and Chloe and I were like that. And after Molly's diagnosis, she just felt for me. And it was just, she had so much empathy for us. And I really didn't expect that from a seventh grade girl. So she really took it upon herself to be like, I'm getting my haircut. I'm donating it in honor of Molly because the Macklemore family just means so much to me. That's really awesome. And then how I found out about you is what kind of came next, right? I mean, this, so was Chloe your motivation behind 
the big cut or absolutely Chloe was the motivation. We actually named it after her. We called it Chloe's challenge. I kind of sat on the idea for a little bit. And then I finally went to my principal and I said, what if we challenge the school to grow their hair out as long as possible and then do a big cut-a-thon in September for Alopecia Awareness Month? And he just thought it was the greatest idea. This was at the end of, of that school year. So that way the kids would have all summer long to grow their hair out. Right. Staff members, friends of mine, even my nephew, people who I didn't expect, even um, a kindergartner that I didn't even have like a personal relationship with. She signed up to do it, which just blew me out of the water. It really was. So parents were all like informed about it and everybody grew their hair out over the summer. So then when September of 2018 comes along, we had our huge... Chloe's challenge cut-a-thon at school in front of everybody. We lined everybody up in the gym. We had some um, salon girls that were just graciously donated their time to come in and cut ponytails. And it was the newspaper came, the the kids in the school made posters and hung them up. And it was just this whole big, loving, wonderful thing. We ended up collecting over 500 inches of hair that day. Awesome. It really was. That is really, and it's so much fun, right? I mean, you can put an interesting spin on things when Mm -hmm. it could have been really kind of, oh, you know, we need to, you know, raise money to maybe make a wig for her. And Mm -hmm. it just, it, it was so all encompassing with the community. And I think that community is so important with alopecia. Absolutely. So 500 inches. And then what happened with that hair? Did you have, did you have stylists and things like that who properly cut it? And so you guys knew, (laughs) you guys knew what you were doing, right? We knew what we were doing. We had, um, so the stylist, they had, um, the ponytails measured appropriately. So we, we knew what our minimum inch was. Some of the kids have really long hair to donate and, and some of them were really at the bare minimum and they were going pretty short. For example, my, my nephew, Isaac, he was going from kind of a shaggy haircut to almost a buzz cut in order to turn in enough mm-hmm. hair, but he was just so dedicated to doing it for his, you know, his little cousin that it was, it was no problem for him to cut the hair like that. Then the stylists at Mirror Mirror also offered anybody who had their hair donated that day to come to the salon and get cleaned up for free. <laughs> so they didn't have to all walk around looking like, you know, they had a run in with an axe murder after right. <laughs> which was really good. So, you know, again, like, and then I know that turned into more community embracement for them too, because then they became known as the salon that, that supports our, our deal. That's awesome. Have you considered doing that again since? Possibly. Um, since then, well, COVID happened. And uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, BC before COVID. Right. Um, you know, when the school shut down, uh, we had plans to move to Florida. And so we did. I finished remote teaching from Florida that year in 2020. So I started at a new school in August of 2020. And I just mm-hmm. have a new principal just this year. Right. And actually just last week I was talking to him about the cutathon and he had no idea anything about alopecia. Um, Molly will be starting in kindergarten at my school next year mm-hmm. uh, in downtown Orlando. So I think I saw the wheels turning in his head that this might be something that we could launch again here in Orlando. 
Yeah, that would be incredible. And I love that you're saying, you know, he doesn't know anything about it. So just educating even one person, right? If we think Mm -hmm. we can educate just one person, but this has the ability to educate so much more and raise awareness. I feel um, with my, my current school is downtown Orlando and it's a charter school. So it's not strictly neighborhood kids. It's kids from that are coming from all over Orange County, Florida. Mm-hmm. So there's different families and communities and parents that come to our school. So my hope is that when Molly starts kindergarten next year, it's a smaller school. I'd say it's about 200 students from kindergarten through eighth grade mm-hmm. and or one teacher per grade level. And my hope is that because they know me, that they'll also embrace Molly and the community will embrace her. And then Molly won't have to ever have like that bad school experience someday where, where she's uncomfortable or scared or unhappy because we've, we've already made the groundwork for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you definitely have a great start. Like you said, getting ahead of it for sure. And do you feel actually, I'm just going to acknowledge right now that as a teacher, a big part of, what you do outside of curriculum is really teaching inclusion and acceptance and mm-hmm. so much more within the classroom, right? I mean, we, we ask definitely a, lot of <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think that as you talk more about it, of course, like you said, lay mm-hmm. that groundwork, it, it's just going to be an easy transition for her. And I mm-hmm. always, I always listen to parents saying school's such a horrible experience, bullying and et cetera. And I'm thinking, I guess everybody has had this experience, right? I mean, this difficulty in school growing mm-hmm. up. And and so we of course always want to protect our kids from that. And awareness is key and community is key. And doing an event like another cutathon could make a difference. But just just really talking about it, do you feel like she is comfortable talking about it? as well? Um, She's actually really matter of fact about her alopecia. When she's getting into a heated argument with her older brother, she goes, I'm more special because I'm bald. (laughs) So that's kind of like her, her shtick, you know, where she just throws that out there. Like you need to respect me because I'm different. So she's got that fire in her where I I don't see her being uncomfortable, I guess, talking about it or knowing about it. You know, even over the weekend, we went to the local farm to go feed the animals and and there was a a random little girl with her mom. And, you know, just like always happens, the little girl, Mm -hmm. mommy, look, she has no hair. And the poor mom, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. And and I actually took her by the hand. I said, don't, please don't be embarrassed. Kids are naturally curious. It's okay to ask questions. I'm happy to tell you about it. It's it's fine. So I hope that wherever she is, that I, I made her feel okay that she wasn't embarrassing us and, and Molly wasn't affected by it by any way. She's just like, yep, this is who I am. I'm bald. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that is one of the great things about this. You you can treat it any way you want, right? You can be mm-hmm. embarrassed by it. You can just say, matter of fact, yep, this is, I'm absolutely bald. Yes. I don't have hair. How does your son respond as, as well? It's kind of an interesting thing, the dynamics with siblings, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I think he just accepts her the way she is as well. I, I'm so he would have been five or six when her hair fell out. So it's kind of always just been part of who she is to mm-hmm. him. He always 
says, you know, oh, if anybody messes you th- with you someday, just let me know. I'll take care of them. You know, that, that <laughs> typical big brother role. So right. hopefully we, but we never cross that bridge, but <laughs> it's nice to know that his intentions are there. Yeah. Yeah. It's always nice to have that big brother presence for sure. Mm-hmm. Speaking of family, I'm always curious because I know how a lot of dads do respond and this isn't like a typical response, but it is, I guess it is. It's common that men will sit back a little bit and and have their partners take the lead with things like this. And, you know, it's looked at as maybe, you know, they're they're less emotional, they're less that, but a lot of the time they're traditionally fixers, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Did you find that Mike fit that role? I think at first he wanted to be the fixer. We definitely went through a bit of a grieving process. That's for sure. Uh, right after the diagnosis and, and just trying to, you know, you have a child and you never expect that there's going to be anything different or wrong with them. And when you do have to cross that bridge, there's, there's a grieving process to go through. And it took him a little bit to just come to terms with, this is my little girl and I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure she's happy. And if it's, that's rocking the ball, she's going to rock the ball. If she wants medicine someday, she'll do medicine. If she wants a wig, we'll do a wig. So I think if anybody, he's probably her strongest supporter and defender in in that respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. It's all a transitional period, like you were saying, for sure. So often we we're not given that space to grieve. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you experience this yourself, but the the comments from others, well, at least it's not, and then fill in the blank, right? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Or she'll yeah. save so much on razors and shampoo right. someday. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's Thanks. something that, that she will definitely learn to <laughs> kind of maneuver through as she gets older. It'll be really interesting to see. So with the big cut, your intention was to donate these ponytails to children with hair loss, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And how did that go? What was the process like? Oh, well, we, <laughs> there was a lot of hair everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we made sure that everything was braided, first of all, so that nothing would get damaged in shipment. So we did the, the little tiny ponytails and braided them, put everything in separate baggies so nothing would get tangled. And then packed it up real nice and off it went. Yeah. Did you have volunteers and things helping you with that? Oh, not really. Mostly I I did. I I was just, I was scared. I was worried about it. And I didn't want the rest of the middle schoolers getting, you know, their fingers, Lord knows where they've been. So I just, (laughs) I needed to exercise a little, you know, OCD control over that part. (laughs) And children with hair loss, they give you instructions on how to cut the hair and, and like you said, putting it in braids, putting it in mm-hmm. an individual bag so it doesn't get tangled. And also I was hearing from another place called Hair We Share, which is wonderful as well. And they were saying that sometimes they get donations that are wet and they're moldy. Ooh. It's moldy oh. hair. It's so bad. So I always recommend to people to look at what they're asking for and go to a reputable person to cut mm-hmm. that. Because yeah, I mean, it's an unusable ponytail. You've just grown your hair for whatever, you know, five years or however long to donate and then you get moldy hair. So it's just pretty horrible, but I'm glad that did not happen with you guys. Mm -mm, (laughs) And it doesn't sound like it would actually from just from listening to you, there would be no moldy hair, right? (laughs) No way. No way. (laughs) Awesome. Actually, what would be some advice to new parents who are, you know, their child's just been diagnosed? Oh, gosh. 
First of all, take the time to grieve. That is completely normal and natural to feel that sense of loss. You know, when other people say to you, oh, it's just hair or it's just this or that, it, that that's all well and good. And that's coming from the kindness of their heart. But it is a huge piece of our identity as, as women, as humans. And to lose that identity is a grieving process. And then I think the next step would then be putting the power in the hands of your child and letting them take the lead. We always said it's more important that she's happy with who she is than how others are perceiving her. So we've always said if she wants to get a, she has a purple, pink and teal colored wig that she loves to throw on when she's playing dress up with her princess dresses. And then she takes it right off again. She, she knows it's something she can do, mm-hmm. not something she has to do just because society expects it of her. Mm, I love that. Yeah. She's using it as an accessory whenever mm-hmm. she wants. Exactly. Absolutely. Fantastic. So I just want to thank you for being with us today and sharing your story and Molly's story. And if people are interested in reaching out to you, maybe to get some advice on how to do something like a cutathon at their school, would that be something that you'd be interested in talking with them about? Absolutely. Yes. Fantastic. And you and I can exchange information on, on how you can be reached and we'll, we'll do all that. And I'll put that in the show notes. Good deal. Yeah. Susan, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you for listening today. If you're interested in finding out how to organize a ponytail cutathon, Susan's contact information is here in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Join our Alopecia Life Facebook group and find out more information at headonlifecoaching.com. The information on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and is meant for general information purposes only. If you're enjoying these episodes and finding the tips helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to and download podcasts.